This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about our deadly ambulance response times, a vigilante lawyer striking once again, and the newly launched police drone program. Joining me for this week's news roundup is Willamette Week's Dive podcast host and Potlander column author Brianna Wheeler and our very own lead producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, June 16th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Brianna, John, thank you as always for joining me today. Pleasure to be here as always. Yeah, thank you. For those who follow the show, you know that at the top we normally ask a question of our guests and ourselves so you, the listener, will know who is in the room and what you've gotten yourself into. Just so you know, you guys, this is getting harder and harder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid for what you're about to get us into. (laughs) Bring it on. Like, you know, you have an intrusive thought. And I was just like, this is the worst question to ask. I was like, if you had to choose a river that you had to uh, drown in, which one would it be? And then I was like, that is not an appropriate question. (laughs) Whoa. just like a question that couldn't. (laughs) That's not the question I'm asking you. But it was like one of those, like, this would be the darkest timeline question. The last news roundtable. Oh, my gosh. I know. I'm just like, oh, in the Columbia, by the way. But um, <laughs> Wushugal, Brianna. Um, Willamette. Okay. See, I just think it'd be like a little parade for me if I was in the Willamette. It's just a little too close. I'm extra, so it would have to be the Willamette. Okay. You're like, I want everyone to know. Yes, I want a, a whole audience. I want to okay, wait. Okay, this wasn't a real question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the real question. This is the like, we still have listeners question. Okay, if you could get legally stoned with any Portland celebrity, present and past, alive or dead, who would you choose? <laughs> I want to tell you who mine would be. It would be Beverly Cleary. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, of uh, of Ramona Quimby fame. But a lot of people don't know this, but she actually, before she became a uh, children's writer, she was working in, like, local radio. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And I bought a book of hers that she, like, one of her first books, and it was about um, – her time doing radio. But yeah, I think she'd be really cool. I just feel like children's writers are really interesting. And I think that she would be really funny. Yeah. Mm, that'd be fun. Yeah. And ask me some really crazy questions, you know, like some, just be like, what if, you know, and I think I really like that. I think I'd go with uh, father of Portland food, James Beard. Ooh. Excellent answer. Think of like sitting down and just James whipping up something crazy in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. He would definitely, like, come up with the cr- like craziest, like, stoner charcuterie board. Oh, heck yeah. You know, you're just like, are those, like, cut up peanut butter cups? And James is going to be like, yeah. <laughs> Gourmet. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, razor clams that you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you harvested off the coast. 
Absolutely. And like a deep fried waffle, maybe somehow also. (laughs) Excellent answer. What about you, Brianna? That's so hard. Uh, I want to smoke weed with everybody. (laughs) Um, I think Darcel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But um, maybe also Jinx Monsoon. I'm double dipping, but she's Portland. Yeah, double dip. You know, Darcel was also my backup, but I didn't want to say it because I was going to get sad. <gasps> like I just, Darcel. Yeah. Like, did you know what I'm saying? You're just like, Darcel. <laughs> well, Brianna, you know, normally guests go first unless I have like something yeah. crazy to, to like immediately tell everyone. But uh, please kick us off. What's your headline of the week? Well, today I am talking to you guys about um, American medical response and how they cannot keep up with emergency calls. And American medical response for the uninitiated that's who Portland contracts with um, as our ambulance provider. They provide EMTs and paramedics to our city. And uh, they can't cover all the calls in the city. It's maddening. It's chaos. It's mm-hmm. uh, dystopian in a crazy way. But So the primary drivers of this um, you know, shortage of paramedics and EMTs is a couple of things. There's just a... In, wild amount of fentanyl overdoses and this is way beyond the whole like across 110th street or like other side of the tracks type of business these are like kids these are like soccer moms that are like i think i'll try molly this weekend like people that are not drug users are dying of fentanyl overdoses oh there's also this wildly increased number of mental health crisis calls um also, seniors are using 911 as a ride service, uh, which was something I read in the story. Also, the story I'm going off of is uh, written by Lucas Manfield uh, over at Willamette Week. But there's also a KGW story that kind of weaves into this as well. Um, so another driver of this lack of paramedics and EMTs is that applications for the job have fallen by half. Um, and part of that might be AMR's failure to enforce these policies that are uh, you know, union mandated policies like keeping paramedics from being sent out on calls at the tail end of their shifts. So there are fixes. Don't we have to have like two paramedics in every ambulance? And like, that's not usually the case. I think in mo- a lot of major cities, you only have one and then you supplement with EMTs. That's correct. What, yeah. Yep. That's uh, that was one of the like, that's kind of like the primary solution that's being presented. Um, and there's data that shows that that is a perfectly um, suitable response. You know, it's it's effective. Uh, it, it works. Um, but there's two voices that are kind of like rising up above this in this conversation. There's two kind of voices that are giving us both sides. Um, now, one of them is uh, Randy Lahr. That's AMR's VP. And then there's Jonathan Jew. And he's the medical director for the county's emergency medical services. So Lar says that this paramedic EMT combo, fine, effective. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, Jonathan Jew says that uh, that plan, having a paramedic and an EMT, could be catastrophic. And I, I, it sounds, what? that's kind of hyperbolic, right? Because other si- there's data from yeah. other cities saying that this is perfectly. And not factual. It's hyperbolic and absolutely not factual because. Of, Thank you. Yeah, because there's other cities that. Because of the strain. 
And not only that, just because like just basic necessities for years and years, this is what's been happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if the if the alternative is an ambulance not showing up, <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. a, I think it's a fair trade off. <laughs> I yeah, I think I'd want an EMT. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll take an EMT over nothing. Or just yeah. a bunch of policemen standing it's around like the me. Snobbiest Portland thing. Like, oh, an EMT? No, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait, wait for, the for good. a paramedic. <laughs> Paramedics only for me. Thank you. Jeez. Oh. Can you have them pick up lattes? Oh my God. And now, Portland Police Bureau is actually like investigating this hit and run that happened here in my na- well, kind of in my neighborhood in Northeast Portland. Like a disabled man died in the street waiting for an ambulance, surrounded by firemen. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, my gosh. And then John Jew drops this polarizing statement after this happens. And he's, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, you know, the victim only had a 5% chance of surviving anyway. Can you imagine? He Mm. said that shit in public to people on the record. Yeah. Wild. Wild. And then there's still this this longstanding beef between the fire department and Portland Street Response. So all of these mental health service calls are going, are not being diverted to the street response. They're only getting like 3% of the 911 calls. WTF, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and EMTs and paramedics have a hard job in the city, you know? I mean, and I think that like part of the reason that we love Portland street response is that it is trying to fill this gap where there are these people that are having crises that um, don't have, you know, that we don't need the police to respond to, but they need to find some help. But like so many of that, you know, we we pretend that it's a a dichotomy between police and uh, the Portland street response. But, you know, EMTs and paramedics take a lot of those calls. They do a lot of those interventions. Um, And like often without the police there, you know, like it can be dangerous situations for them as well. It's a really tough gig. So yeah, Yeah, because they're usually there first. And here's the thing is that, Paramedics, they get paid, I would say they don't get paid as much as the police and maybe they should or as much as firefighters, but they're getting paid way more than EMTs. EMTs Mm. are getting paid almost, I mean, nothing. It's ridiculous how little EMTs make. And I feel like that's going to eventually also be part of an issue of like, mm-hmm. well, if we if we don't have enough paramedics, which, you know, you need extra amount of schooling, then we can pull from EMTs. But like, do we even have enough EMTs? Because a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of EMTs are basically people that are waiting or doing something so they can go into nor- nursing school, so they become they can become PA. So they're, they go into medical school post that, you know, or they're just like, maybe I want to become a firefighter or maybe I want to, you know, so it's usually not like a long-term career choice for a lot of people because they just can't afford to be EMTs, even mm-hmm. though a lot of people wow. love it because it's, it's a rush for a lot of people. Like they get to be there first. They're saving a life. They're like doing all the things, you know? So it's mm-hmm. just, I feel like that whole system needs to be audited, yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Put it on the list. Put <laughs> Put it on the list. Put it on the list. <laughs> Call up Mr. DiLorenzo. The one thing I'll say, though, is I always think it's crazy that, like, emergency response is something that is a contracted service, right? Like, like, could, like the idea of, like, outsourcing the fire department or outsourcing the police department is crazy. But that we just cool. sort of have this cultural thing where it makes sense to have private companies take care of these emergency services. And, you know, it's 
pretty common across the country, but it's something that just blows my mind. It's like, this mm -hmm. is an essential service. This is a service that saves people's lives. And the idea that it's run by private companies, um, I don't know. I, I, I just can't believe that that's the best model. Yeah. It being run by a private company, but somehow being overseen by the county, there, you know there's going to just be, be so many levels of like, I thought this was happening. Nope, that's not what's happening. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, another thing that uh, was really disappointing that I read was that um, they're underperforming, you know, AMR is into our county, but they just signed a contract uh, to another county. I think it was like Washington oh, County. Washington County, yeah. Washington yeah, County. Just this week. <laughs> and I think the county was like, could you maybe do a job here first? Like finish here? Like figure this out before you take on more clients that you clearly yeah. cannot staff? What and that's, heck? and to me, that's like, well, yeah, because they're a for, they're like a for-profit. Yeah. They don't care. They're trying to make money. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're going to start a new thing in our headlines where we're not just going to say stuff. We're gonna like also solve the problem right right now. So right Brianna, then. what's your solution? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Fix it. Go. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get all the moms. We're gonna get all the aunties. It's all the all the uh, all the aunties and the grandmas that are always like, "Oh, honey, you just need chicken soup. Oh, just put some Vicks Vapor Rub on your feet." All yeah. those grandmas and aunties. We're in charge of it now. Okay. We're in charge of of medical services and mental health. I guess. I love that it. That actually sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Done. You got to be a mama, auntie, grandma. You have to have had your patients tested to the utmost limits of patients testing. And then, then you can go save lives. That's about it, I think. <laughs> well, problem solved. <laughs> cool. Well, actually, uh, my headline, it's sort of in the same realm. Uh, John, you said John DeLorenzo. And I don't know if you guys saw this one, but um, Sophie Peel from the Willamette Week wrote that everyone's favorite vigilante Portland lawyer is at it again. This time he's targeted uh, a county downtown day center for homeless Portlanders. Um, Sophie reported that John DeLorenzo, a.k.a. the perennial thorn in the side of city leaders and their lawyers, uh, sent Multnomah County Chair Jessica Vega-Peterson a strongly written letter this past Monday asking her to audit the nonprofit contractor that manages the county's downtown behavioral health and Resource Center, or the BHRC. And if you don't know, that that place provides homeless Portland shelter for, for, like, from the weather and, like, just offers basic sanitary services. So let me just read you a quote here from this letter that he wrote. I request that you undertake a full audit of the organization so the public can be aware of the manner in which it is devoting the nearly $2.2 of taxpayer funds which you are providing for their services. He also had this to say about the BHRC to the Willamette, which is, I am very concerned about government delegation to nonprofit organizations that operate under the cloak of darkness with taxpayer funds. And like, what kind of Batman statement is that? <laughs> the cloak of darkness. Oh my I, gosh. I was like, John DeLorenzo, <laughs> how dare you be so enigmatic? Is he our problematic Batman? <laughs> Like more problematic? I mean, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> is Sierra problematic? Problematic Batman? Wow, De Lorenzo's tricky. He's tricky. What was, what was going on? Okay, break it down. So this is what's going on. As you all know, John De Lorenzo has been suing on behalf of lots of people uh, in the city, usually targeting um, 
just the homeless population at large, but not so much just the homeless. It's how this city is dealing with the homeless population, but it yeah. feels very, but it is the homeless issue that he's like targeting. Um, and he's consistently won. That's the thing. He just like won a settlement for uh, some disabled Portlanders concerning uh, camping on, uh, you know, sidewalks. And he's been doing a lot. But for this particular letter, he's saying that it's a bunch of downtown clients and business owners that he's refusing to name. And here is a deal, though. Uh, businesses have been complaining to the county for a long time about the oh, yeah. camping and the crime, which is, again, you know, facts and drug use that collected around the center. And they claimed, but they claimed that vandalism, threats of violence to their employees and weapons wielded by people frequenting the day center um, has been kind of threatening the viability of their own businesses. Yeah. Uh, oh. And here's, here's the kicker. Here's why I was just like, is he our Batman? The county... Uh, center actually did shut down temporarily in March of this year after allegations. Well, we couldn't have done anything bad. There's, there's, there's no way that anything bad happened there, Claudia. I can't. I can't imagine. Well, it, it seems that the staff of various contractors uh, working there were having sex with each other and using and distributing drugs on premises. What? This is a fact. <laughs> this is like yeah. this is why they yeah. shut them down. They were like, oh no no no. Yeah. So then the center reopened mid April. And the businesses were quiet. Nothing, like everyone was waiting for like uproar or something. And now we have this letter. So, yeah, I don't know. He asked that the nonprofit show their 990 tax returns. He requested them in May and nothing has come up from it. From it. So now he's basically threatening to sue. Um, and the people from the BHRC, I think, did respond. And they were just like, hey, hey, like, we're getting our stuff together. Like, this is escalating. Like, we got, you know, we're going to respond. Something like, this is a lot of, like, hubbubaloo for one missed email. Something like, like, you know, like, hey, maybe we missed an email, but, like, I don't know why everyone's yelling at us. And it's just like, ah, there is a little bit of me that's just like, get him, Joan, get him, you know? And <laughs> but then who loses? Like all the people who benefit from their service lose. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, because it's being mismanaged. And then also who also loses? All the business owners that are just like, hey, this thing is being mismanaged. Uh, can someone can someone sort this out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like how you feel about John DiLorenzo is similar to how you feel about Batman and says a lot about like what exactly. you believe politically, you know, I mean, because, you know, DiLorenzo has filed some lawsuits on things that are really important and that, you know, where people are actually being hurt. But like, he's also been representing or like has been filing briefs on behalf of Republicans who are trying mm -hmm. to fight against Measure 113, which is like something that I think is a good thing. Uh, he represented a bunch of businesses that were threatening a class action lawsuit over COVID restrictions back in 2020, you know? Mm -hmm. Like all these businesses were like, I don't want to protect against COVID. And he's like, I'll represent you. Um, yeah. You know, he got a billion dollars for the timber industry because they said that the state wasn't harvesting enough trees. Yeah, he has uh, done plenty of things and represented plenty of clients that I'm like, I, I don't agree with that. What do you guys think? I mean... Because the truth is, like, yeah, someone should be doing an audit of this of this place that's clearly on the brinks of possibly doing some really heinous stuff, you know? Were they, like, dealing drugs to people or were they smoking weed on their breaks? Like, what kind of drug use are we talking about here? 
from what they uh, put out is like they were bringing in like pills and like giving them to each other. I don't know. It didn't state if they were selling them to each other, but there was distribution of drugs on the premises. Between the staffers or between staffers and residents? Be- between staffers is what I've heard. But their mm-hmm. the, their concern was that it was staffers and residents and that yeah. it was so, you know what I'm saying? Because like, okay, we documented this. What else has yeah. been happening? And I think exactly. that is the question. And I think that's what the audit is for is like, okay, so this is bad. Does it get worse? How much worse? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think best case scenario is that the contractors that are running that place are ousted and new contractors come in? Yeah, I don't know, man. New boss, same as the old boss, you know? I know, right? We, we, we don't have a lawsuit yet, but I would just really hate for this to go the way that, um, you know, some other programs have gone where it ends up getting defunded, you know, mm-hmm. where yeah. the lawsuit comes through and th- they, at some level of government, we decide that this isn't a program that we support. Because, like, even if it's being badly managed, it's doing really, really, really important work. And I just hope it doesn't impact their ability to serve the community, even if they do need a little kick in the ass to, like, make sure that their operations are up to code. Above board. Above <laughs> yeah. board. Above board. I totally hear what you're saying, John, of them just like washing their hands and being like, all right, all right, it's going to cost too much money to fight John. And I'm sure that's what John DeLorenzo is hoping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a complicated one uh, that once again, my like base instincts are just like, mm. you know, I can't wait to see what happens. But like, yeah, what, what sucks about this whole drama is that the people who are going to be affected the most have like absolutely no say in this. That's what sucks. Yes. Yeah. That hurts. I definitely do not want to smoke weed with John DiLorenzo. Okay, but maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> that is like that is like the most paranoid experience of my life of sitting next to this guy being like, is he going to sue me? Is he going to sue me? What if you smoke weed with him and he turns from Batman to Superman? <laughs> oh, no, no, not doing it. Not, not showing up. The two Johns together. No way. All right, well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more headlines of the week. Hey, it's John from CityCast Portland. Let's face it, sometimes bad stuff happens. A serious injury, a catastrophic accident, even a wrongful death. It can really turn your world upside down. And when it does, you deserve unwavering support from a dedicated team. Yeah, you need a lawyer. Diamore Law Group has over 30 years of experience protecting the rights of Oregonians. Their team of skilled attorneys, led by the renowned trial lawyer Tom Diamore, will work tirelessly to make sure your voice is heard and your rights are protected. Here's what one of his clients said. Tom fights for his clients from the first day they meet him through the last day of trial. So if you need help holding those responsible for your injuries accountable, contact Diamore Law Group at 503-222-6333 or visit diamorelaw.com to schedule a free consultation. They're committed to fighting for the justice and compensation you deserve right here in Portland. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. John, what's your story? Uh, I'm talking about drones and the Portland Police Department. So uh, Portland Police just started a year-long pilot program using aerial drones this week. They bought eight drones and are training officers to use them and sending them up into the sky. Uh, They're mostly going to be collecting images from like crash scenes and crime scenes. Um, They're saying that they're not going to be using them for like mass surveillance or anything. And there's actually some really interesting laws about how police are allowed to use drones that Oregon has written. Um, That like, you know, you can basically only use them in certain situations that are really clearly defined. Um, There's also a law I found that you can't put guns on a drone, which is something Mm. that I hadn't worried about yet, but like, I'm glad that there's a law preventing (laughs) that. Um, When there is like a crime scene, they say that the drones are going to allow them to take a whole bunch more photos and sort of survey it way more quickly than what is out there now. Um, Like, even still, I saw RoboCop. I don't love the idea (laughs) of police using Mm -hmm. more robots Mm -hmm. uh, or putting drones in the air. Uh, I can see how it could be useful, but um, I've definitely got some concerns about it as well. Yeah. Brianna, Brianna looks unhappy. I'm so unhappy about it. I'm glad they can't put guns on them, but... Well, immediately yeah. when someone's like, I remember seeing this this headline in the title, I was like, they're not going to surveil you? I was like, so they're surveilling us, is what I'm hearing. Oh, like, yeah. whenever anyone's like, hey, man, yeah. I'm a real cool... I'm not a cop. <laughs> Do you have any weed? Yeah. Trust me, fellow kids. You know, like, whenever I hear I'm not going to do this from the police force, I'm just like, so you're going to do it, is what I'm hearing. I, yeah, yeah. I know. I, it's a, it's illegal though, right? It's illegal though. I mean, immediately, right? Like they can't surveil us because it's illegal. Or well, I mean, but what it says is, is that like they they can't surveil you, but like they can use them in like I think the phrasing is like exigent service circumstances where they feel like there's like a certain emergency, then they can go ahead and use them, which this is the same police department that during 2020 sort of decided that uh, anytime that they declared a riot, they could clear the streets. So they just started declaring riots all the time. And I, and I feel like this is like a real slippery slope where Mm -hmm. like, yes, we know that this is the official use of these things, but you know that the temptation is going to be there and be like, "Eh, why don't we just let this guy fly and go see what we can see over Mm -hmm. there. Um, you know, and there are, you know, actually a lot of police departments across the country are using drones right now. And there are situations where they're starting to use them, uh, to like catch suspects. And like just this week in Southern California, there was a guy who they thought stole a vehicle, but then he like fled out into a wooded area and they sent a drone after him to go find him. So these policing tactics are being used in other places across the country as well. I give it. I give it like three months before some unhinged cop sends a drone after his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend. I give it like a half a year. Right? That happens all the fucking time. No, I mean, that has been documented. Do you remember the whole uh, saga of uh, Westland, the deputy sheriff there who had a vendetta against a man and he tried to get him arrested by calling his buddies in Portland and like ev- the Portland police were like oh, hey we yeah. had no idea that this was we mm-hmm. thought this was legit we went in the you know we were tr- we were trusting another fellow officer that told us this we didn't know it was a vendetta um you see i was just trusting so what you're saying is like if they're if you give you know people with power 
drones. They they might misuse them is what I'm hearing. And I don't think anyone could walk away from that being like, no, that's nonsense, you know. Yeah. Um, but what I'm yeah. most afraid of, I don't know if anyone watches Black Mirror, but what I'm afraid of are those dog drones. Oh, my God. With the I guns. am so afraid of that. Well, cool. Now that we've made everyone afraid. <laughs> I know. I thought AI was going to save us. To like go in a totally different direction. Like I, I've been thinking about this in uh, sort of the perspective of everything that happened with Shot Spotter recently. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know about the Shot Spotter thing? So this is a technology that a lot of police departments use that basically you put up microphones around the city and they are tuned to detect gunshots, right? So Portland went through this really, really long courtship with this company that produces this technology to see if the city was going to buy it for like an extraordinary amount of money. Um, Just a few weeks ago, the city said they aren't doing that. But there was a really interesting story in The Guardian that talked about how like basically this corporation had been like really strongly courting the city and trying to be like, buy our tech, buy our tech, buy our tech. And and I feel like once police departments start using more things like drones and more things like this kind of modern policing technology, it just creates this incentive for these yeah. contractors to come in and, you know, sell them on buying this stuff, um, mm-hmm. which I am not a fan of either. No. And they've got so much budget. They've got the biggest budgets. So they're just going to buy all the toys. Portland does also have a really strong ban on facial recognition technology, though. So we have this one of the strongest bands in the country on like setting up a camera to do like facial recognition tech. So that's a good spot. Yeah, that's great. Claudia looks super bummed. I was like, I was really hoping that John and I and the facial recognition could just bring this whole city down. <laughs> just John DeLorenzo and I holding hands, being droned across the city, looking for evildoers. And just be like, I know you. <laughs> hey, put that down. That's what I was hoping. That's what you. Uh, so all my dreams were just crumbling down. That's what you were seeing in my face. Oh. I was like, I'll never be as Robin now. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry for you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I hope everyone knows I'm joking. Uh, there's someone out there be like, what show am I listening to? <laughs> Who did I believe this person was? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's messed up. John, we're no longer doing the the shot stoppers, though, right? Because it was like, I think they, they were like, that's not working. Right. So the the city just decided that we are not doing shot spotter tech. Um, shot spotter, and with thank the, you. Shot, shot spotter. I know, yeah, it's a little bit of a tongue shot twister. Stopper. I have to, shot, <laughs> shot spotter. Um, but what they said, instead of using this like weird technology that there's a lot of concerns about surveillance issues with it, there's a lot of concerns about whether it even works, Instead, they're going to invest in things like violence interrupters, you know, How like and and ramping up anti-violence programs in schools. Like, surprise, go. surprise, like what they're going for, which I think is actually really smart, is just using people who live in the community to try and be present and intervene, which like, yes, Groundbreaking. that is what we should be doing. Yeah. You know, John, Love is Stronger, uh, which is led by Lionel Irving, is doing exactly that. And. Mm-hmm. The the numbers are there that that's actually is what what's working what you're calling like uh you know violence disrupting or mm-hmm. uh, basically the community taking care of the community and yeah. and it it seems to be like that is what's actually making the numbers go down of gun violence in our city mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is kind of amazing it basically mm-hmm. goes back to Brianna's answer to our ambulance issue oh. is like. <laughs> 
<laughs> mamas and aunties. Just getting mamas and aunties. But like, no, I mean, it's just like, yeah, the the community coming together uh, is is actually sometimes what ends up working because the people who are in charge are just kind of fighting each other. Yeah, they're just going to fight each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's like just so much more of a world that I'd rather live in. Like, I'd rather deal with problems by hiring people and like paying them to be good to each other as opposed to spending, you know, huge amounts of money on weird surveillance technology. It's like, oh duh. Yeah, let's or, just... or contractors that have nothing to do, have nothing to do with our community. Yeah. Or, or, it's, or it's like no, nothing vested in our success. As a, yeah. as, once they sold the contract, they're like, and goodbye, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, it's always a bummer. Um, <laughs> 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 it's true. <laughs> uh, it's always a pleasure slash bummer to have you all on and us discuss the news of the week. Uh, we just once, I just wanted to be like, did you go to the strawberry festival? Like, I just want Portland to give me that headline. <laughs> we could talk about favorite strawberries. Oh, we need to do that. We should do a whole episode on that, Claudia. We should just do a whole strawberry episode as a palate cleanser to our headlines. Of the uh, <laughs> stay tuned, CityCast listeners. <laughs> this is what's happening. <laughs> no, but thank you so much, Brianna John, for uh, joining us this morning. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Claudia. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to the strawberry episode. Okay. Please include me. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Just a note that we are taking Monday off in observance of Juneteenth, so there won't be a new show on your feed that day. Our lead producer is John Natariani. Our audio producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Tuesday morning with more from around the city. Until then... See you at Slim's. <laughs>